What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Finance for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wren. Join me as we dig into what it looks like for physicians to begin using their finances as a tool to live better lives. You can learn more about our resources at financeforphysicians.co. Let's jump into today's episode. What's up, everyone? Hope you're having a great day today. I'm happy today. I got the spring break coming up next week, so um, that's always uh, good Good to look forward to. We'll be going to Florida, so that, that's always fun. Hopefully, you have something coming up on your end, a trip or, or something along those lines. I wanted to talk about a topic that seems to keep coming up in uh, our, our work with clients pretty regularly, um, and especially newer clients that we're starting to work with. And that is around how to best manage your health savings accounts. So um, we're going to talk about that today. And before I jump into that, so this is going to be for people, for those of you that, you know, already get the idea of the HSA being a really good vehicle. And this is kind of assuming you're already using one. Now, if you're unsure about that, you're not sure if you should be using an HSA or you're not sure how to um, how you qualify for it or that sort of thing, definitely go and check out uh, our prior episode where we talk about a little bit more about the HSA versus alternatives. I'll link to that in the show notes. But yeah, we're going to be talking today going under the assumption that you already have an HSA or you're starting one and you, you kind of get the whole concept and really the focus is going to be on how to like, you know, amp it up and supercharge it and make sure it's efficient, as efficient as possible. Um, I think the common strategy that I often see is that uh, people are using the HSA as they're kind of viewing it more as like a health spending account. And even like the service providers are really kind of pushing this idea um, if you've ever set up an HSA, you know, like typically they'll send you like a debit card and they set you up an online account or something and it's defaulted to, you know, just using a savings account. So the money goes into the savings account. You get a, ch- a credit card, debit card in the mail and it it's kind of like framed like this is going to be the thing you use to spend on when you have out-of-pocket healthcare expenses. And that's like, you know, generally good. That's better than just not getting the HSA tax shelter at all, but that's definitely not the best strategy. And so we're going to talk about, you know, what a better strategy might be. Okay, so let's get into what what that strategy might look like. So so just a quick recap on the HSA. It's by far the best tax shelter really that exists as far as vehicles to put your money into. HSAs are unique in that they allow you to build wealth. They don't require you to use a certain dollar amount per year like their cousins, like the Flex Spending Account or FSA. Uh, Those accounts all require you to use it or lose it. So HSAs let you build wealth, essentially. And they also include the ability to invest most of the time. Um, Like the laws allow you to invest within an HSA. And so most HSAs allow that uh, option. And so it's a great tax shelter. It allows you to build wealth and you do have that option to invest. So I think first big rule or thing to think about to optimize is 
it's best not to spend out of your HSA. Assuming most of you are younger-ish and um, you know you have a long future ahead, it's best to not spend out of your HSA and instead uh, pay for medical costs that you have that come along um, out of pocket or you know with your cash savings. Ideal, you know, you're just ideally leaving that HSA as is and preserving it. And so second big thing, so I'll talk about like why, let's talk about why that's important to like use your cash instead of the HSA. So the reason is if you have two options, like if you have option number one is pay for, let's say you have a doctor bill that you get sent in the mail and you owe $100 to the doctor visit or whatever, you have a choice. You can write a check out of your checking account and just pay it out of your cash. Or you can use $100 out of your HSA. Um, or you could have paid $100 at the doctor through your HSA by just swiping the debit card. So if you compare the two of those, think of like your savings account is like nothing special. Like there's no tax benefits really associated with the savings account. It's just like not tax sheltered at all. Uh, and it just sits there and is doesn't really gain much interest either. Versus the HSA, on the other hand, is like the best uh, tax shelter that exists. And so if you have a choice, it's like, let's not disrupt this fantastic tax shelter that we have here going on. Let's let that thing, like, let's preserve it and let it build up and grow and I don't want to mess up, you know, a good thing going there. Instead, let's take out of the thing that's not really tax sheltered and let the thing that is really tax sheltered grow as much as possible. It's the same concept like, you know, a lot of times with uh, retirement, people try to preserve their best, most tax sheltered assets as long as possible, like a Roth IRA and, um, you know, defer, defer, defer. Same concept. It's like if you have this tax shelter that's a fantastic vehicle, it's best to leverage that and let it grow and instead use something else that's not near as tax sheltered. That's like the big picture concept. And like we can completely verify that with math and numbers and that sort of thing. But uh, for concept wise, much better to use things today that are less efficient tax wise. So that's big, big rule number one. Don't spend the money from your HSA if at all possible. Now, there is an exception there to that uh, first rule. If you're, if you just don't have the cash, like let's say in order to pay this doctor bill, you're going to have to use a credit card or you're going to have to spend all your emergency fund reserves. In that case, I would use the HSA, but that's that's an exception to the rule. Hopefully, you have those buckets full and you have a good cash reserve and you're okay there and you have some extra cash uh, or cash flow, but that is one exception. So ideally, you're able to follow that and not spend out of your HSA and allow that to build and instead pay out of pocket. So second big rule is um, if you're going to be using this as a wealth building vehicle, which is where it works best, uh, you got to put the dollars to work. And so you you need to make sure the HSA is invested instead of just sitting in cash. So most, if you're, if you work somewhere, for instance, if you have, if you're employed and you're most, a lot of people are, are uh, 
utilizing their HSA through their employer, uh, they typically always default to us putting you in the cash account. And there's a little bit of, uh, you have to be proactive about this. Like you got to, you know, create the website, log in and look around and find the uh, option that is allowing you to invest. And most, most HSAs do have that option. We'll talk about what to do if they don't in a minute, but uh, most do. And you have to click into it and you have to set up the investment account and uh, make sure the money gets transferred from the cash account to the investment account. And then you have to make sure future funding gets transferred to the ca- from the cash account to the investment account. A lot of times they call it like a sweep. So you can set up like an automatic transfer from the cash to the invest within your HSA. So there's a little bit of work in, involved in this. It's not as simple as just being like, hey, let's invest. But it's not. It's definitely not super complicated, and you can automate a lot of it. And so the key, though, is to make sure that money is as much of that HSA as possible is invested. And you're kind of looking out of it. Ideally, you're looking at it like an older age sort of a vehicle. So, you know, think of it like healthcare for when I'm really old. So if you're looking at it like that, you have a really long time horizon. You can be aggressive with it. It's almost like you invest it just like you would your retirement plan. So you can take, you know, manage the ups and downs and take a little bit of risk and you'll be, you know, you'll have higher expected returns as a result of that. So make sure, so second rule, make sure that HSA is invested not only today, but with future money that goes into it, uh, make sure it all stays invested. So big question that comes up is, okay, well, how do I start to, how do I manage this thing over time? Like, um, as I have healthcare expenses and that kind of thing, when, or, or when do I start to use it? Uh, so as you, so if you're younger and you have plenty of future healthcare costs and I'm going to use, I'm going to oversimplify this, but let's say like you're, you know, 30 and you know, you could predict the future and you know, like you have $500,000 of future healthcare expenses yet to come. And so let's say you have 10,000 in your HSA. Well, in that case, like that's obvious, very much no brainer, like let that thing continue to build up and build up and build up. But as you have healthcare costs along the way, this is an important rule to think about too, is as you have healthcare expenses along the way, it's important to save the receipts, even if you are paying those out of pocket. Because the current rules with the HSA are that there's no limit on timeline for reimbursing yourself for qualified expenses. So in other words, you can save these healthcare receipts you pay out of pocket now and then just kind of keep them in a file. And then that is kind of like a credit. You, You can choose at any point in the future to then pull money out of the HSA and like, reimburse for that expense. So that's like, that's a huge benefit there. Um, so a- along the way, save receipts because you're kind of like stockpiling reimbursements for a future to be determined date. So that that's what I do with RHSA. Like I, and I'll, I'll share exactly how I do it. So, you know, we get the bill eventually from the, and we've had a few lately. I had my uh, youngest son had eye surgery recently. So we just got 
several in the mail, like two or three thousand dollars of of bills out of pocket because we have a high deductible plan. And so what what I do is as soon as I get the invoice from the healthcare provider, I take a picture of it on my app, my scanner app on my phone. I use Genius Scan. And so I take a picture with Genius Scan and save it in my Google Drive folder under healthcare receipts. And I title it so I'll remember what it is in the future, you know, 2022 um, eye surgery, you know, invoice. Save that. And then I have a spreadsheet where I just write the date and the number, the, the cost, the amount that I, uh, the, the amount the invoice was for, the date uh, the, of the invoice. And then the, and then I write the date that it was paid. And then that's all I have in the spreadsheet. It's very simple. And then the last thing I keep is just the receipt. So I'm just kind of trying to cover all my bases here. I think as long as your checking account register matches up with the invoice, you should be good. And if, especially if you have a receipt, or I'm sorry, especially if you have an invoice, I think you're good. But like, I'm, like I said, I'm trying to cover all the bases. So I keep the invoice and the receipt and I have a spreadsheet. So that's how I do it. Uh, I know some people just keep the invoice and that's it. And then they know that they pay it out of their checking account and they know at any time they can go and reference that. And that probably would be good. You might be wondering like how it works. Like with reimbursement, it's your responsibility to reimburse yourself. So there's nobody, uh, there's no third party you have to go through and no like oversight beyond just your responsibility unless you get audited. Um, you do have to report it on your tax return every year if you did reimburse yourself. But that it's just a number you write in a line. Uh, now, if you get audited, that's when you have to show proof. And so, you know, I, I am completely confident in my system and it being audited and being fine. So as long as you're confident in your system being able to verify that you did pay for that expense, um, you should you should be good. So, and that would only come when you reimburse yourself. So, what I'm saying today is like saving receipts and not actually spending yet, uh, and just letting that HSA build up. But it's good to save receipts now as you spend out of pocket because those are like future credits you can eventually pull out of that HSA. So I mentioned you know potentially deciding when to take out of the HSA. So people might ask like, was there a point where I do start taking out of my HSA. And so I think that point would be like when the HSA balance is, you know, equal to your future expected healthcare costs, plus any of these receipts you've stockpiled, that would be probably the time to think about start using it, starting to use it. So for instance, you know, if I think you know, I'm young, I'm like, well, surely I'm going to have a few hundred thousand dollars of expenses because like when you get older, you have stuff and maybe you have long-term care even, like that's huge. So, you know, definitely a few hundred thousand dollars. Uh, and I only have like 50,000 in my HSA or less, then it's like, keep stockpiling that thing. But at the point those numbers get close together, that's when you uh, might start thinking about using it. And I think I would first start with those expenses you've stockpiled from the past and then like reimburse that out first and then start to reimburse current expenses that you're having along the way. So as you, so along the lines of the taking the funds out, like one of the other nice things about this is 
if you're if you build up enough in an HSA, um, a lot of people are concerned about how to fund long term potential long term care costs like a nursing home or at home care when you're late stage in life. And so long term care insurance has been a somewhat popular insurance or solution for that cost. The problem is it's super expensive and you know about half the time you don't use it. So uh not not the not the best way to spend your money. Ideally you're able to self-insure for that. And the HSA is a fantastic tool for moving you that direction, helping you to self-insure for that type of expense. And those numbers can get really big if you push that out. Like if you see you look at like five or six years of like healthcare costs, it adds up pretty quick. So some of you that are thinking kind of like, you know, worst case scenario or wondering like, well, what if none of that works out? Um, so let's say worst case scenario, you know, you've built up too much in this account and you got like more than enough. And um, you're like, what do I do then? I, I have so much healthcare. I have more health, more in my health, health savings account than I have in healthcare costs for the rest of my life. Uh, the worst case scenario is when you turn 65, it functions just like a 401k does. So that's still a really good tax shelter. That It's not the best tax shelter anymore. So if you can use it for healthcare, it's better than a 401k. But if you get to age 65 and you cannot use it for healthcare, in that case, it still functions as a really good tax shelter, just like a 401k would. So that's, to me, that's kind of like the Worst case scenario, you've done such a good job saving and, you know, you have more than enough money. So that's kind of the the basic premise of it. And it's a much better way to, from a standpoint of building wealth, to u- utilize the HSA. I'll throw out a few other considerations that I see come up quite a bit and um, and then we'll finish up. So beneficiaries are really important. I see a lot of times people just don't have beneficiaries listed on their on their HSA. So if you're married, always make sure your spouse is 100% beneficiary, 100% direct first beneficiary on your HSA. Mainly because of uh, if you pass away, it's not near as good tax wise if you don't have your spouse listed. So make sure your spouse is listed on there, and if you are unsure about whether or not you have one, it's best to go double check that and uh, you know make sure that's that's listed. Now, if you're if you're single or um, if you're single, you're gonna have to have like a you know either your if you have dependents or a trust or whatnot. That's that's it's not quite as good tax wise in that sort of situation. So it would be good to take that into consideration when you're thinking about like how much to allow it to grow to. So that's that's a that's one biggie to think about. Uh, another thing, let's assume sometimes we see HSAs that have uh, no investments available. That's not common, but maybe one out of 10 that we see have just, they just don't offer investments. They only offer a savings or cash account on the HSA that your company provides. And so what do you do then? Well, you can um, move it to a different provider. Um, with HSAs, you can actually actually transfer them in, uh, anytime, even if you're still employed there. Uh, there is there's there's a rule with HSAs. You you can only make one 
rollover per year. But as long as you do it, trust they call it trusty to trusty transfer. You can make more than that. So make sure when you transfer that it's like company to company. So like you don't want them to make the check out to you. You want them to make out the check to the new HSA provider for your benefit. Uh, as long as you do that, you can do several of these and it's not, a, not an issue. You don't have to worry about that one per year rule. So you can definitely transfer while you're employed. So basically if your HSA has no investments or even I guess if it has like junk investments, like they're, they're either expensive or they're just very limited or whatever. Um, if that's the case, um, I would say think about like, setting up a new HSA uh, at a different company. So some of the HSA companies we like are HSA Bank and Lively. Those are two uh, that are pretty solid. Um, so you could set up a new HSA in your name, at an individual HSA at one of those providers, and then transfer the employer HSA funds into the new HSA. And you can do it you know, once a year or every so often. So you're essentially like zeroing it out or, you know, it's transferring as much as you can every so often. Uh, and then in the new HSA, that's what you use is like the investment vehicle. Another thing that comes up is, uh, you know, when is the best time to fund or how should I logistically fund it? So like with any of these tax shelters, it's always best to max it out sooner than later. So ideally, especially if you're self-employed and you're just writing a check to fund your HSA, ideally you fund that as soon as possible. So like in January or February or March of 2021, when we're recording this, ideally you're funding your HSA in early part of the year, just in a lump sum, if that's possible. Now, if that's not possible, or sometimes if you're doing it through your employer, if you can just spread it out over the course of the year, that's e easier for budgeting. That's not a huge deal, you know, and it's still good to do. Um, but if you have that easy option to f to max it out early, that is a, a good good thing to do. Another thing too is if you're thinking about like, well, so technically you can fund your own HSA. Like you can just have a health insurance plan through your work that qualifies you for an HSA, but then just go set one up yourself and not even use your employer HSA. If that's your situation, like if you uh, have one through work, but you're thinking about setting up your own. And you heard me talk about like, you know, what to do if your employer HSA doesn't have good options or whatever. And you're like, well, why don't I just get one on my own only and not deal with the employer one? So it's going to be uh, better to, f uh, I guess, funnel the money through your employer HSA. First of all, because a lot of these employers have matching on the HSA or they put in a chunk of money, that's especially beneficial. Um, but even if they don't, don't do that, when you fund it through your employer, as long as they have the right type of cafeteria plan, which most of them do, then it's pre-Social uh, Security and Medicare. Ta you don't have to pay those on those contributions. So in other words, it's kind of like saving you, you know, around 7%. Um, so if you're funding like say 7,000 into the plan, it, that's, that's the max is like 73,000. So let's say 73,000, uh, into the plan, 7% of that, it's like $500. So basically it saves you for a family about $500 in taxes, 
to route it through your employer's HSA as opposed to your own like self-funded HSA. So it's slightly better there, plus whatever matching your employer might have. Another issue we've seen is, for whatever reason, haven't figured it out, these employers, these big companies even, um, just love to switch HSA providers over and over again. I, I Like I said, I, I haven't figured this thing out, but it's like clockwork. People's HSAs are switching, like it seems like every one to two years. Maybe it's, my guess is it's because it's a relatively new industry and there's a lot of companies like figuring this out and consolidation and I don't, I don't know. But anyway, what the problem with that is you, you can easily end up with like seven HSAs and that is never good. And so I would really encourage you if that's happening to you is if possible, do your best to like keep it to a minimum number of HSAs. And so you can either do that by opting to move the old HSA provider funds into the new HSA or to have like a, another individual one like I was talking about earlier where you're transferring your employer funds every so often into your individual one. Um, but basically the gist of it is ideally keep it to as minimum as possible. You know, I think beyond having two HSAs, it becomes a little bit uh, overwhelming to keep up with them. Um, and I've seen people that have like five. So that's just kind of nuts to keep up with. So um, if you can do your best to kind of keep up with those transfers, I think I would that would be helpful for future. Okay, so that's all I got today for HSA. If you have, have more specific questions on this, as always, feel, feel free to reach out and we can uh, dig into the details or we can cover other topics related if you guys like. So uh, hope you enjoyed it and we'll look forward to talking next time. As always, thank you so much for joining us today. If you found this valuable, please give us a review on iTunes and share with a friend. Also, check out our website at financeforphysicians.co for all sorts of additional content. See you next time. Finance for Physicians is not an investment, tax, legal, or financial advisor. All content included in this podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered financial tax or legal advice. Material presented is believed to be from reliable sources and no representations are made by Finance for Physicians as to another party's informational accuracy or completeness. All information or ideas provided should be discussed in detail with an advisor, accountant, or legal counsel prior to implementation. If you don't have an advisor or would like a second opinion, feel free to check out our website for recommended advisors.